0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball— This is our 320th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 994th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of December 28th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And
1: Indiana is the national champion. Shot.
0: This week's Banner Moment occurred last Thursday when Malik Renew led Indiana to its first truly dominant performance of the season, scoring a career-high 25 points as Indiana beat North Alabama 83-66. to The big revelation was Malik's three-point shooting. He was a sizzling four-for-four bringing his season percentage to 46.7% on 15 attempts. It was essentially the difference between Indiana outperforming expectations and getting stuck in another single-digit slog. One thing we've learned about this team through 12 games is that it will go how its sophomore leader goes. Look no further than the last two games. Malik pops for 25 points and 7 rebounds while committing no fouls, and Indiana beats North Alabama by 17. In the previous game, Malik was held to six points in just four field goal attempts, playing through foul trouble, and Moorhead State darn near beat the Hoosiers before a late IU escape. Obviously, the outside shooting Malik delivered against North Alabama is not sustainable, even if it was a blast to experience for one night. But it does provide a window into what Malik is capable of when all aspects of his game are clicking. If he can just continue to shoot at a reasonable clip moving forward, like 33%, it will give defenders something extra to think about that will make the rest of his offense even more effective. And Indiana sure needs his offense. With X out, Malik has become Indiana's clear go-to guy on offense. He's using 27.8% of possessions. Next highest is McKenzie Mbako at 22.4%. And Malik has the highest assist rate on the team. With the competition about to get consistently tougher in Big Ten play, Indiana has to keep Malik on the floor. And while his overall improvement in terms of foul rate is impressive, from 6.8 per 40 minutes last season to 3.9 per 40 minutes this season, there are still too many games in which IU's preferred way to play gets interrupted by Malik having to sit for long stretches. In Indiana's seven games against teams ranked in the hundreds or worse, Malik has five games with three or fewer fouls. In Indiana's five games against teams ranked in the top 100, Malik has three games with four or more fouls. For Indiana to do the work it needs to do in Big Ten play to build an NCAA tournament resume or even compete for a Big Ten title, it needs Malik on the floor as much as possible. When he's playing like he did against North Alabama, he can single handedly lift IU to a great performance. When he's struggling like he did against Moorhead State, it can put Indiana in danger of a devastating loss. We saw peak Malik on Thursday. That was an all-Big Ten level player doing it all for his team. It won't be like that every night. This is still a young player learning how to lead himself, let alone his teammates. But Indiana needs that kind of availability and production to become a more regular occurrence against better competition if the rest of the season is going to be more than just a march toward a mediocre conference record. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host this week, Ryan is off, but here with me, he is the Kurt Signetti of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, seriously, Google him, he's the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most renowned bracketologists. The
1: best of youth sports coaching, you know that we got them, when it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them first-class
2: bracketology if you want the top you gotta go bottoms bottom. if you want the top you gotta go bottom, bottom. if you want the top you gotta
0: all right go bottom, bottom. it is andy bottoms andy what is your bottoms line you on the last the top, week in indiana basketball
2: yeah, well, I missed the, uh, missed the post-game show with uh, with Coach and, uh, and Tony and Ryan on uh, on Thursday. So obviously, like everybody else, excited to see this team shoot and make uh, a bunch of three-pointers and have a comfortable victory. Would be lying if I didn't say I was sitting on my couch thinking, like, don't give up points of this lead. You need this for uh, some of the metrics, which is uh, really a terrible way to skew your thinking uh, as you're going down the stretch of the game. But uh, awesome to see a number of guys get involved, give clue, where a little bit of a a uh, little bit of a break for the for the evening and, and certainly a great performance from renew as you mentioned and then uh our family we went to uh, part of our christmas gift for the to the kids was to go to the women's game on friday where we saw another uh shooting exhibition from sarah scalia who was absolutely on fire uh mallory got her picture taken with a number of the players after the game including uh including sarah i was just hoping that maybe a little bit of the shooting touch would wear off on her when she put her arm (laughs) around her for the picture. So uh I (laughs) joked about that when we took it and and she just smiled. Just um and and continue to it was funny because our memories popped up from the last time we went to a women's game a few years ago today. Uh and to see how much things have grown since then, but still seeing the things that were endearing to to my kids at younger ages then of being able to go on the floor after the game and get pictures with them and get autographs and uh, different things like that. The fact they still do those things. It was uh, long lines from Mackenzie Holmes and and Sydney Parish but they were trying to get through as many people as they could. And everybody else was just so gracious with, uh, you know, not just with Mallory, but with other people's, uh, you know, other other people's uh, kids and and different things like that. Just just an awesome environment, atmosphere, program uh, awesome. to see, get to see up close a little bit. So uh, it was cool to be back in town just for the day, but uh, in, enjoyed that as well. And, uh, and, and got to see, like I said, a a great shooting display from that team and defensive display. Quite honestly, there was uh, a time that Scalia had, had outscored the entire Bowling Green team, like into the fourth quarter um, because she had played so well and they only had like 30 points uh, or something like that. Um, So uh, anyway, so cool, cool couple games for IU and uh, glad everybody get the week off and uh, be ready to come back at it for some, uh, you know, one more, by game but then the the big 10 season begins uh shortly thereafter so excited to see what happens from here
0: absolutely all right also here with us he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of indiana the founder of delphi bracketology and a man who knows how to celebrate a road win in your rival's gym Shefido! that's right ladies and gentlemen it is the coach he
1: remembers the days when a movie cost a time.
0: Coach, it is Ton time. What's on your mind this week?
1: Well, that that lead-in song uh, reminded me my my son uh, as a JV coach. They had a varsity tournament and had to play a consolation game in the elementary gym where the popping the collar incident between him and <laughs> I when he was in fifth grade happened. And so life comes full circle as he went back in that gym and had to to coach in the very gym that he got yanked, uh, by his, uh, you know, crazy dad. Uh, yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, you know, looking forward to the new year basketball's back a tough couple of weeks with, you had finals before the Kansas game. Then you had a bunch of games jammed in and then you go without. And so anxious to get back to see if this team can find some consistency, at least the men's team that, that we're talking about, find some consistency in how they play, how they shoot, uh individually we need some players to to step up and and play a consistent basketball and we need to know what this Indiana basketball team is all about and that's what we're we're looking forward to we had a week to really enjoy uh, the performance and the number of threes that went in but we've also had the collection of games where Indiana hasn't played up to its expectations so who is this Indiana basketball team where is it headed what can it achieve i think we're all excited uh, to get back at uh, games every two or three days to really evaluate where, where Indiana is. And hopefully we have positive answers for all of those questions going forward. But it's time to get back to basketball.
0: Yes, it is. Time to get back to basketball. All right, here's what we have in store for you this week in segment one. We'll roll through a few Hoosier headlines, including a name who will be on the call for the Kennesaw State game that you won't want to miss. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, along with a little preview of that Kennesaw State game. Then in segment two, we're going to play a fun little game, kind of analyzing some of the trends from this season. We're stealing it from another podcast, uh, but it's a fun one. So look forward to that. And then in segment three, of course, we will answer your questions in the mailbag. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Look at this, man. I'm looking in the chat mob right here, and we've got this message from Brett. It says, I recently made my first home field purchase. Look at that. Congratulations to Brett. Just an outstanding move. You know, and Brett's is a name that I've seen around here for a while. So he's been hearing us talk about home field apparel. So, Brett, we're glad that you finally decided to take us up on it. We hope that you used our promo code, HOME23, and got your 15% off. But look, Home Field Apparel, just absolutely wonderful. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on BHN, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel. And they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And it's not just shirts. It's not just hoodies. It's not just crewnecks. They have all that. You know, that's kind of how they built their business. But they've expanded their product line. They've got the snapback hats. They've got the bomber jackets. And I'm pretty sure that I won Christmas this year because I got my brother the original Indiana bomber jacket that's got the script Indiana on the back and the old school IU on the front. He absolutely loved it. And that's the thing with home field apparel, man. Every piece has a story. Every piece is original and unique and you feel good wearing it. And they're conversation starters. And so, you know, I know Christmas has passed, but you can still go to home field Apparel. Get yourself stuff for the winter. Buy gifts for friends. They've got something for everybody there. Uh, And it's all high-quality stuff that you can wash. The colors last. Just great stuff by great people. So go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME23. That'll give you 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. The website's homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All righty. Well, Andy, coach, we've got a game coming up tomorrow. Quick turnaround from Assembly Call Radio, IU versus Kennesaw State. A couple things people need to know about this game. Number one, it is on BTN+. Plus, so You're going to have to fire up that BTN Plus account for at least one more game. And, you know, look, there are reasons to continue having a BTN Plus account. The women still have several games on there. There are other sports that are covered there. Um, But if you're just a, you know, a men's basketball only fan in terms of what you're going to buy your streaming services for, this is the last game uh, that you will need it. Um, So make sure that you have that ready to go for tomorrow. The game starts at 6 Eastern. And then I don't know if you guys caught this, but the announcers uh, for uh, the game... It is going to be an all Indiana Sports Media alumni crew as Austin Render, Trisha Whitaker, and ladies and gentlemen, Galen Clavio on the call for the game. I don't know that I've been this excited for an Indiana broadcast since, I don't know. It's Galen. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, Can't wait to watch that and uh, just, you know, maybe see if he throws us any little Easter eggs, you know, that are kind of inside jokes from the podcast from here from Crimson Cast. But obviously, those three will do a wonderful job. Uh, So if you need a little extra incentive to get that BTN Plus account, uh, Galen is going to be on there calling the game uh, and doing some good stuff. So as we look to this game, Andy, You know, obviously, last year, you know, Kennesaw State was pretty good. They made the NCAA tournament. I think Indiana won that game by 13 or 14 points, if I recall correctly. I think Tamar had a good shooting night. Um, I think that was one of the games that Trace didn't play around Christmas break, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, But they were a pretty good team, you know, kind of ranked in the mid-100s last year. This year, you know, not quite as good. They do have a few holdover players left, but they have a new coach. They're ranked 209th in the country. But what's interesting about them, Andy, the fastest tempo in America, their games right now are at 77.2 possessions per game. They are taking 13.7 seconds in terms of their average possession length, which is the second fastest in the country. Uh, and obviously, Indiana you know, likes to get out and play fast, but certainly doesn't typically play at a tempo that fast. So what are you uh, what are you kind of looking for in this matchup coming up tomorrow?
2: Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. They're playing a much different style than what they did before, at least based on the numbers. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I've watched uh Kennesaw State games, but their coach uh last year ended up moving on to South Florida. Uh, but they did have a really good season last year. you your memory I looked, your memory was correct. They won by fourteen. Trace did not play. Uh Tamar and Hood I think were the only two guys in double figures, uh, at least at a quick glance. So the the coach now Antoine Petway is not a guy who was on that staff so there's not a lot of holdover stylistically in terms of what they are doing uh he actually and doing some research here was uh, played at Alabama and has been an Alabama assistant for a while
0: that's why that name sounds familiar
2: and thus uh yeah it did to me too I couldn't remember where uh I couldn't remember where he was from but um so anyway so played there and you know, I think plays more a style similar to what you see from uh, Alabama teams of of today. He kind of brought that style with them as opposed to them playing the way that they played last year. So uh, whatever notions we may have about how they played uh, IU last year can probably be thrown aside, uh, as you said. And I think it'll be, you know, interesting in that regard because, you know, we've talked about IU potentially benefiting from getting out in transition a little bit more, playing a little bit faster. Uh, this game is going to essentially force that you're probably not going to be able to slow them down they're wanting to take a lot of threes and and a little bit based uh on the numbers that you you talked about uh in terms of you know possession length and things like that they're going to shoot shoot threes they're going to shoot them quickly he's going to have to find guys in transition um and and make that work so i think a good uh, good test for IU in that regard of being able to find guys uh, in transition defensively, uh, but also, uh, you know, maybe giving them a chance to get out and run a little bit, which I think is a, a positive for IU uh, maybe get some open threes in transition, you know, God forbid uh, and see uh, and see what's going on. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so in- interesting to see they've not really uh, to this point this year, at least uh, played a ton of, of top end teams, uh, Florida State, the only um, top 100 team in Ken Palm that they've played, and they lost by 27. Uh, based on some quick math here, uh, they've also lost to East Carolina, FIU, and UNC Asheville. Uh, all those on the road uh, as well. So uh, they're going to shoot a lot of threes again, kind of trying to make the math work. They're not particularly efficient at it. Their big guys even shoot have shot a decent number. Doesn't really matter which player on the floor it is. They're willing to let it fly and. Uh, don't want to let them get comfortable, uh, early, obviously, but they're going to keep shooting them whether they make them or not. So, uh, we'll kind of see what happens, but I think it's, you know, like I said, a little bit more like what you see from Alabama with, uh, lots of threes and, and attempts to get to the rim, uh, will be my guess. So put some pressure on IU defensively, gives a different look, not really something you'll see a lot in the big 10, uh, generally speaking, but, um, always good to be able to play teams of different styles as you go through the non-conference.
0: Yeah, and coach defensively, they're 235th in two point percentage defense allowed, and they foul a ton. So defensively, they kind of play into what Indiana likes to do, you know. And it should be a good game for Indiana's big guys. Um, you know, what are your thoughts just in terms of things that you want to to see from Indiana in this final tune-up before Big Ten play resumes?
1: One, I'm going to harp on this for a while right now. Indiana needs to share the basketball. Um, you know, they, they still need to go inside. That's you know where their top scorers are. They still need to throw the ball in the post. They still need to drive. Galloway is good scoring at the rim. They still need to attack the rim. And if uh, Kennesaw State fouls, then that's a way to get some points that way too. You don't want to abandon that. Uh, but I thought Indiana did a really nice job of sharing the basketball inside of the scheme that Coach Woodson uh, has. We have some really good questions in the third segment uh, about that. And so I'll save some of those comments for then. Uh, but I just want to see continued action towards the rim and when there's traffic get it out to an open guy and take open shots Uh, whether that's the three ball or that's a a, a, you know the big to big ball that we've seen before if you share the basketball and you move and you're ready to score then shots are going to be available no matter what scheme is, is run I thought you saw that against North Alabama that needs to continue they've had a couple of low assist games and then they busted out to 25 and it corresponded with them hitting a lot of outside shots and then feeling free to do that. So that's what I'd like to see offensively. Defensively, I want to see how how well they guard the three. And and do they stay, you know, are they worried about penetration and giving out the kick out three? Are they going to stay closer to the three-point shooters? They have shown at times to make that adjustment, a slight adjustment where they're coming off the nail against teams Uh, I forget which game it was. I thought that was really good adjustment where they came off a little bit and stayed tighter to shooters. They've also adjusted some of their switching, uh, at times within games and from game to game. So I'm really going to see the scheme that coach Woodson and staff has for a team that likes to play up tempo, likes to shoot a lot of threes, or are they going to stay true to what they do and guard that nail and dare them to, to score from the outside? Because I don't think this is a game you could really, uh, trade twos for threes. If a team gets hot, that that's, that's the only way a Kennesaw state can stay is trading twos for threes, our strength against their weakness against our weakness, guarding the three somewhat. And, and, and they don't shoot it. Well, they're not super efficient, but we've seen that teams can get hot and that's a way for, for a less talented team to stay hot. So I'd like to see a little adjustment to disrupt the three point shooting a little bit more and dare to come inside against our bigs.
0: Yep. You know, either way, just a big opportunity for Indiana to you know, get another victory, build some momentum. More importantly, hopefully have a win where you beat analytic expectations, which should help in the net and some of the metrics. Indiana currently favored 88 to 75 at Ken Palm. Um, so if you're looking for, OK, what does Indiana need to do to kind of outpace the expectation? You want to win this game by 13 plus, you know, and anything that you can win over that obviously is going to be uh, beneficial for the Hoosiers. But number one, got to get the win. Got to get the W. Continue to avoid those bad losses, uh, and then if you're playing well, you know hopefully uh, get as big of a margin as possible. The other big news, guys. Hopefully you were paying attention to the NBA a little bit over the break because Trace Jackson Davis has announced himself as a legit NBA player. So his last DNP uh, came on December 16th. In the five games since, Trace is averaging 11 points. 8.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and a block per game in 20.8 minutes with a field goal percentage of 73.5%. And Golden State is plus 38 with him on the court and four and one during that stretch. I mean, he, you know, Steve Kerr is talking about him. Steph Curry is talking about him. He really has just kind of forced his way into the rotation. And there was a wild stat that almost seems too good to be true. So he had back-to-back double-doubles, and he was the first player to record back-to-back double-doubles with at least 15 rebounds in both games while shooting 70% or better in both games since. I don't, do you guys, did you guys see this stat, by the way?
2: I saw it, I saw it in the oh. run sheet, so I, I, won't, uh, I won't pretend that, like I really am that on top coach. of
0: things. Okay, coach, who was the last NBA player to do that? Back-to-back double-doubles, 15 have- rebounds in both, and 70% or better shooting?
1: I have no clue.
0: Dale Davis. How crazy is that? (laughs) His dad was the last person to do that, which is just an unbelievable stat. Uh, I am just so happy to see Trace playing this well. You know, it's, it's fun watching the games because you see a lot of the stuff that we saw him get better at. Through four years, you know, just consistent effort, the timing, the awareness on defense, uh, you know, the timing of, you know, when he's screening and knowing when to roll. Uh, I mean, it's just he's just doing an an incredible job and further proving what Coach Woodson said, which is that he doesn't have to shoot to be a productive NBA player. Uh, And he's really showing that. So I don't know. Thoughts from either of
1: you guys on Trace's emergence uh, as an NBA player. Well, I watched the game. He almost had a double-double in the first half uh, in, in the one game where he got 15 points in, or 15 rebounds and 11 points. And he just – he's a, he's accepted that role of getting people open and then r- running to the rim. I mean, he'll, he'll have a down screen to the wing or a ball screen. He'll sit in the dunker spot and wait offensively and then defensively. He, the thing that impresses me the most is he is disrupting shots from NBA players at the rim. Yep. and got a couple really crappy calls in one of the games too, but he's, he's elevating, going straight up and blocking shots and keeping shots in play. Like it's really noticeable how much he brings to that team more than the loony who starts and, uh, the, the other guy that they play at the five, he just brings a, an energy in the last five games. And I've been watching two or three of them. Whenever I get him on TV that I can watch, I've been watching, and he ha- he really has played extremely well, and very very proud of him. But you know that's do what you can do, and you'll get on the court. Steve Kerr's a heck of a coach, and if he's if TJD's going to help you win, you ain't going to be in the G League very long. You're going to be out yeah. on the court and when you accept your role and do what you can do and not try to do too much, there is a spot for you in the top league, uh, of basketball. So it's just, it's really fun watching them. I think they're on tonight at 10. I don't know if they're on a are TNT they? or I, I don't know what, uh, where they're at. Um, but, uh, the NBA has a eight day, eight day free NBA pass, uh, where all the games are free on the NBA, you know, on your phone or on the computer or smart TV, so if uh-huh. you want to check that out tonight, I think that it's a free eight eight day period for the NBA Plus. Nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, from my perspective, I'd echo a lot of what you guys said. I think the other thing, you know, he he got some opportunities early in the season, thought he played well in in spots uh, when he got opportunities, and then that that went away a little bit, and and but he stayed ready and. Um, yeah, I think that's what they, they've talked about in some of those uh, conversations with him, just about his attitude showing up and uh, all those kinds of things. Just awesome to see him rewarded for that and getting the opportunities and then making the most of them. I mean, that's all—that's um, all you ever want is to, is to be able to take advantage of those things. I think he's doing, you know, the things that he can understands very well how he fits into their system and how he can impact the game and is, is doing a great job of that. And uh, I would echo the coach's thoughts on some of the calls. I think it was a Christmas Day game. I flipped over to it, and it was. Uh, I think Steve Kerr uh, concurred with that in some of his comments after the game. It yeah. was, yeah, if you breathe on Jokic, you're going to get a foul call. And the, you know, Trey somehow got five within a, a pretty pretty short period of time. But um, you're also seeing him start to have some good chemistry with uh, really good players, and he's clearly trusted by some of those guys. And you know, in that game, he kind of you know gave a point up to to Steph, who threw him a, a great lob. And it's you know, he amazing. he's really ingratiated himself with those guys, which says a lot. Um, you know, a, a number of veterans in that situation can be a little bit hard to crack, a little bit reluctant to trust a, a, a new guy. And, and they've really had positive things to say about him. And that's uh, great for him. Great for the program. Something that, uh, that you can really go back to and, and find that. But uh, yeah, definitely excited to see that. And I think there's, uh, seems like a lot of people clamoring for him to play even more, which is, uh, uh, which is pretty telling as well. And we may
0: see more of it, you know, I mean, Trace would not have been ready to step in and make this kind of impact if he had left for the NBA after a sophomore year, even if he had left after his junior year. But he stayed, got accolades, became a legend at IU, made NIO money, and now he's making an instant impact. You're seeing it with Jaime Jaquez in Miami. You know, these guys who are just really good basketball players that are mature because they stayed in school or are able to step in and make an impact. And for teams like Golden State and Miami that want to win now, that's a more valuable rookie sometimes than a guy who's going to need time to develop. So it's just a great story, you know, and hopefully it's one that, you know, inspires other people to take that path of, hey, let me stay here. Let me build a legacy at my university and then be even more you know ready. Obviously, if you're a lottery pick, you're going to go. I mean, Jalen, you know, should have gone. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But for a guy in Trace's shoes, um, I think just the path that he's taken has made a lot of sense um, and really probably been one that a lot of guys are going to follow, especially bigs, I would imagine.
2: Well, and I, I think it shows, too, you know, using those two guys' examples. Their games are, are different, but Hakez, I, I believe he went to Miami, right? And I, I, Just to yes, make sure I'm right. not totally botching yep. that. I mean, I think it speaks a little bit to good organizations being able to I guess overlook is how you'd say it—the fact that these guys stayed in college and not viewing that necessarily as a negative, uh, and and understanding that there's a place for them in their system and that they can play and they're not getting too hung up on some of that. I think you have some organizations who would not be willing to take that risk, take that chance on on guys like that. But like anybody who watched Hockeys play, is like that dude can play. Yeah, um, he was going to figure it out, and you know there's. it it, it, it's, it's just interesting to see, like, you know, those are two examples, but those are two organizations that have a pretty clear philosophy and, and have done things well for quite a while in terms of doing that. So um, maybe not surprising that those are, are ones who are not shying away from taking uh, guys like that.
0: So the last thing I want to mention, and we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it is relevant. Big 10 news. You know, coaches are always worried. Guys go home for Christmas break about what can happen, you know, and a lot of times that's, hey, is someone getting in your ear because you're not playing enough? Or do they do you just eat too much and you get a little bit out of shape? And then there are the worst fears. And Michigan State experienced those worst fears when and no pun intended, when Jeremy fears their freshman point guard was shot in the leg while he was home. Um, So obviously, we wish him well, I think I read that he was uh, back, you know, on campus, it's obviously going to take him a while to recover. Um, but just a really really scary story there I mean hopefully he makes a full recovery and then I'm sure you guys saw the news today Terrence Shannon of Illinois I mean you know the number two player in the Big Ten behind Zach Eady you know Illinois fans just finally starting to get excited with their team and their top 10 in Kenpon they've been playing well and he's suspended and accused of rape from something that happened in September and they've apparently known about it but now the charges were official he maintains his innocence and so um, you know I think it's perfectly fair for Illinois now that there are charges to suspend him you know still have to wait and, and obviously see you know what happens with the case and all of that but I mean coach I don't, I don't know what the, much there is to say about this we have to wait and see how it plays out but just from a basketball standpoint you know for Michigan State you know Fears was a guy who was kind of a depth piece but you know we'll see if he's able to get back to play and how much of an impact that has but Terrence Shannon being out I mean that shakes up a ton in the Big Ten, and who knows how long he's going to be out. So, just a, a wild, wild news story there.
1: Yeah, it, it's just a couple situations that there is basketball impact, uh, and that'll play out uh, because those guys aren't playing, and, and we'll see where that that plays out. It's a couple situations that it's just sad for society, uh, where you know the the violence that is in our society happens to come to the big 10 and, and, and injure a young man. And then another young man is in a position where he gets uh, charged with a horrible, horrible crime. And regardless, you know, the, the victim there needs to be thought of as well. Due process. We live in a country of fairness, whether people believe it or not, there is due process. You're innocent until proven guilty. None of us know anything about any of all that. So I, my comments are, I hope uh, that the people who have been victimized are okay. And and that there's fairness in, in the court system and, and justice, um, is done in due time with the right system, not on social media. And, and uh, the basketball will take care of care of itself, but it, it's, you know, when some of society's ills come into the sport that we love, it's just, it's just a gut shot. I was at a high school game watching a few, a tournament and, and it came across to the phone and it's it just, um, a gut shot, um, to, to see a, a young man involved at that at Illinois and, and the same with, with the fierce kid. So you hope that everything turns out to be the right decision for everyone and everyone's okay and can move on whatever that means. But, um, it, it's a lot bigger than basketball right now. Uh, obviously the big 10 with wins and losses and teams and, and all of that, uh, that'll work out and we'll have to discuss that at some time, but man. Be safe, every our players need to be safe. Everyone's players need to be safe. Surround yourself with good people. Put yourself in good positions. You can never, ever, uh, not do that enough uh, in, in in the world today. Yeah, well said, Coach.
0: All right, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we are going to play a new game. It's called "That's True, That Might Be True, and That's Ridiculous." An homage to a basketball podcast that I like. We're going to do that with some early season Indiana and Big Ten trends it'll be fun stick with us here on the assembly ball.
2: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura and now it's electric. introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple imsa championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: All right. Hello, everybody. Nice to see this kind of turnout. The Thursday after Christmas, before New Year's Eve. I know you all have a lot to do, but you know we appreciate you being here with us. Felt like it had been forever since we'd, uh, since we'd done a show. That was one of the longest breaks. That's one of the longest in-season breaks yeah. I think we've ever had. Because there was nothing around that Christmas time. Usually there's like a game on the 23rd, or, you know, like, uh, I don't know, there'll be like a rant. It'll be a a Thursday, I'll catch when they do AC radio. So that was a a nice little break, but I'm ready to be back and, you know, back at it. AC radio tonight, game tomorrow. Galen's on the call. I mean, we're just jumping right
1: back into this thing. So it'll be fun. We we got our meetup planned, and that's, That's you know, getting some social media love, a lot of good things. Yeah, by the way, if you're interested.
0: If you haven't heard that, just real quick, let's remind everybody, February 3rd, the Penn State game, that is when the meetup will happen. So we're going to be at that game. We'll be there all weekend. Uh, So Friday night, we'll be out. If you're there, we'd love to see you. Saturday, then we're going to do the game and then do our official meetup at Upstairs after the game. You know, it'll start like an hour you know, hour and a half after probably however long it takes us to walk over there, but there'll probably be a watch party there during the game. So just go to upstairs, support those guys. It's a great place. It's remodeled. If you haven't been there in a while, it looks great. Um, So we're really excited to work with them and have that event. Should be fun.
1: Ryan, Ryan will have an open tab. So while you're waiting uh, the hour and a half after the game, just put it on Ryan Phillips. Yep. Ryan Phillips. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That is right. (laughs) Speaking of uh, which, we have this game coming up that's true, that could be true, or that's ridiculous. And I was surprised to see this question not be on the run sheet tonight. And it would be, you know, Ryan Phillips will host uh, an assembly call show before the end of the year. It's completely um, ridiculous. Maybe, that, that one's easy. Kurt. Absolutely. I think maybe <laughs> it was too easy, of, and that's why it was is left off. But that's how, you know, I'm looking forward uh, to segment two. I'd love to see Ryan just get in here and stream yard and just try to figure out how to start the show.
0: That in and of itself would be hilarious. Um, all right, let's hop into this. Here we go.
2: <clears throat> Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three. And I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you,
0: James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And, you know, James' little brother, Jalen Blackman, starting to put up some numbers at Stetson, shooting the ball well. Interesting uh, interesting player there for Stetson. So I don't know that he's playing a whole lot of defense. Uh, I mean, he is a black man after all, but he is filling it up, man. He's shooting like 44% or something from three. Uh, so I don't know, name to keep an eye on perhaps if he decides that he wants to move up. Could Indiana be in the market for a shooter of his ilk? And you kind of look at it, He's, well, and this will be a topic for another day. I mean, he's, he's clearly not as good as Tyson Walker, but you kind of look at some of his numbers And he's, you know, kind of that kind of player, almost like a poor man's Tyson Walker. So if you could get a guy like that for Indiana, given what we need, I don't know. Interesting. Something to think about. Um, All right. So we're going to play this game. We're going to try it out here. It's called That's True, That Might Be True, and That's Ridiculous. Uh, We are stealing this, ripping it off from one of my favorite NBA. It's it's really my go-to NBA podcast. Uh, It's called The Mismatch on the Ringer. Do either of you guys, Andy or Coach, do you listen to The Mismatch? So it's really good. It's uh, Chris Vernon, who is a Memphis guy, and he covers the Memphis Grizzlies, and then Kevin O'Connor, who writes NBA stuff for uh, The Ringer. Uh, and, the, you know, I like it on multiple levels. One, it's just good NBA talk, and it's kind of how I keep up with the NBA. But just as someone who hosts podcasts and helps develop podcasts and helps coach podcasters, they just have awesome chemistry. And just the way that they do their show, they've got a lot of inside jokes. and I just It's just a really good show. Really, really well done. So if you're looking for an NBA show, I recommend it because I think the two of those guys, I don't always agree with them, but I just think they do a really good job and put a fun show together. And so this is one of their gimmicks that they'll do every now and then. Uh, and, you know, Chris Vernon will... Come up with something, and then Kevin O'Connor will get to say, "Okay, that's true. That might be true, or that's ridiculous, and it's not even worth discussing." And so, I have chosen five of these, Coach or Andy. If you have any later, or chat mobbers, if you have any that you want us to cover at the end, and we have some time, we will hit those. Uh, but I will present these, and then you guys can tell me that's true, that might be true, or that's ridiculous, uh, and defend your point. So let's start with number one. And that is McKenzie Embako is still the favorite to be Big Ten freshman of the year. Uh, McKenzie currently 9.7 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game in 22.7 minutes. Uh, but over his last seven games, in which he has all double-figure games, he's up to 13 points per game and 5.3 rebounds. Uh, and if you're just looking at some other freshmen who have been playing well, Cohen Carr is averaging 5.3 points for Michigan State. Cam Christie from Minnesota really having a nice start to the season. That's Max Christie's brother. Uh, he's scoring 11.5 points per game in 26 minutes. Owen Freeman for Iowa is at 9.5 points per game. Scotty Middleton, Ohio State, a little bit of a slow start, but he's still a name in there. John Blackwell from Wisconsin. Gavin Griffiths from Rutgers. Those are some of the other guys who I think would be in the mix. Uh, but, Coach, we'll start with you. True might be true or that's ridiculous that McKenzie Mbacco is still the front runner for Big Ten Freshman of the Year.
1: Uh, I, I think that might be true. Leaning towards uh, true, he's right there with a bunch of them, but I think winning is going to matter. you got a bunch of guys around 9 to 11 points per game. The Christie kid is in Minnesota, and they're going to struggle. You know, if Indiana can get, you know, 10, 11 wins, uh, I, I think it's going to head towards, uh, Mbaco. Uh, but the Wisconsin kid right there with Wisconsin being, uh, you know, right now a three or a four seed, five seed, something like that in the NCAA tournament, you know, uh, winning some games, that's the one that could possibly, uh, take it. So I, I think that could be true that he is the favorite or will be the favorite going forward. Uh, but I think there's enough other people around that uh, it's not, uh, that he's not the favorite right yet I don't know that there is a clear cut one in my mind
0: okay andy is it true might be true or that's ridiculous
2: uh, I, I tend to agree with Coach, but given my predictions about Mbako, uh before the season, I'm going to say you're that's all true. in, man. Uh, I'm going to say true. that's true. I might as well just going to happen. I it looks well real go, shaky
0: there for a while, Andy. But you've I know I've had, had a comeback I'm, here lately. <laughs> I think
2: some of the things I said are still going to be hard to hard to happen. <laughs> but we'll we'll see how it goes. But um, I, I think you know what you've seen. He he's uh, it seems like he's coming around. We've talked about that a, a number of different games. You know. From an effort standpoint, that's been there. Uh, the the shot just needs to fall a little bit more from three. But he's, I mean, the number that he's rimmed out uh, in terms of misses seem disproportionate to what you know other guys have done. Uh, so I think he's continuing to kind of figure things out. I thought he made some nice passes in the North Alabama game, although they were uh, ninety six mile an hour fastballs in a couple of cases. I think guys couldn't actually get to, but. You know he's reading the right things and seeing the right things in the game. I think that's important. Uh, I think you've seen improvement from him from a rebounding perspective. Uh, and as you give him other opportunities to be able to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket, he can really excel there. We, we've seen what he's been able to do at the free throw line, and so if he's able to continue his scoring pace and do some of the other uh, little things along with it, uh, I, I think there's certainly a chance that uh, you know that he he becomes a front runner. And and I was surprised to look at even from an efficiency standpoint. You know, he's at 107 offensive rating right now, which is actually just slightly above where Malik Renew is. Um, you know, that's not perfect by any means. We're still only, you know, a handful of games, you know, 11 games in, whatever it is, 10, 11 games. But, you know, despite feeling like he struggled at times, um, still been relatively efficient. I think the, you know, free throw shooting helps that, being able to draw fouls and, uh, and some of those things. So uh, I think he's on a, a really upward trajectory uh, and has done – uh, did a good job in both of IUs Big 10 games already which I think if you look at a guy like Christie he you know didn't play as well in those games hasn't played well in some of their game you know the only couple games they've played against even moderate competition for Minnesota um uh, so if you're looking at it just based on a scoring standpoint I think that you know his, his numbers will probably come down a little bit so I'm still I'm still bullish on him I think IU needs him uh, to play a bigger role and uh, look for his his current progress to continue
0: yep okay number 2 is this true? Might this be true or is it ridiculous? Indiana is the worst program in the Big 10 at using the 3-point line. Currently, Indiana is 356th in attempts on offense and 268th in percentage. Defensively, Indiana is 312th in attempts allowed and 178th in percentage allowed. Um Andy, we'll start with you, and I don't want to we don't need to get into all the other numbers. Just suffice it to say at this point that's the worst combination of numbers in the Big Ten. But this question is really kind of looking forward to see if we think that will persist. So Indiana is the worst program in the Big Ten at using the three-point line. True, might be true, or
2: ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's definitely not ridiculous. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I think we could, I think we could take that one out right off the top. Um, I, I probably would have said true, uh, with limited hesitation before the North Alabama game. And I, maybe it's saved let, this
0: question for right after maybe North Alabama that one. Game.
2: So I'm going to say that might be true, but probably leans toward being true. I, you know, it, it, unless something really changes, what IU has prioritized offensively is not the three point line. So You've got to while well, you can probably expect some improvement defensively, coach talked about a couple of those things in terms of modifications they, they've made a little bit to the nail slot rim thing, although I felt like might have been the North Alabama game. One of them, it seemed like they kind of went back to what they were doing before, as opposed to maybe stopping at the elbow versus getting to the nail. It seemed like they they went backwards a little bit uh, in, in that regard. But maybe that was just some of the, the things that I I thought I saw. Um, so I think you can expect it to get a little bit better defensively, but I don't think this is still going to be what it, it is a focal point of what's being done offensively. Not so, I'm not sure how much those, uh, short of you know, different matchups take, you know, how that changes a, a great deal. So I'm going to say it might be true, but leaning toward true.
0: Yes. Okay. It is clearly not ridiculous. I will agree with you on that. So, coach, are you willing to say like this is true? We're the worst in the conference at using the three point line. Or are you gonna give Indiana a little wiggle room to improve and say that might be true?
1: I have three <laughs> other choices down here from our friend 85 Jeff M in the chat mob. I think has kind of nailed my response. For those so of you congratulations on the podcast, There, those three
0: options are Jeff, true, definitely true, or absolutely true.
1: So <laughs> uh, this is true as of right now, even with the North Alabama game. Uh, because of what Andy said, the the priority has not been to shoot the three, and it's even been stated by our coach. Uh, something changed um, for that North Alabama game. Uh, is it permanent is one of the big questions that I have. I think it needs to be, even in the heavy post entry and the ball screen stuff that Woodson runs. You can still shoot enough threes. Uh, The ball just needs to be kicked out instead of trying to go win everything at the rim, even when it's contested, as was seen in the North Alabama game. If that continues, you don't need a a new system or whatever. You can still get enough threes to be competitive in, in the Big Ten. Do I think they need to do more than that? Absolutely, as a basketball coach. I just want to see them do enough within the system they're running which they have not done until the North Alabama. So I think as of right now and in the first, you know, run of Woodson's, yeah, it's definitely true that Indiana, this does not emphasize it. That is a true, true statement. It doesn't have to remain true though. Okay. Number three, Trey Galloway
0: is the most indispensable player on Indiana's roster. Now this isn't Trey Galloway is the best player, not that he's the most productive But I'm asking this question from who could Indiana least afford to absorb an injury or an extended absence to? Uh, And just to add a few numbers here for context, Trey, only using 18.6% of possessions, so he's not necessarily a high-usage player. Uh, He is third in scoring, eighth in rebounds, first in assists, first in minutes. Uh, Khalil Ware, first in points, rebounds and blocks. Malik Renew, second in points, second in rebounds, second in assists. Uh, both those guys more productive, but they also have each other. Where if one was out, you still have the other one there to anchor things down low. Whereas, boy, if Trey is out, that guard rotation really starts to look shaky, and it's already shaky. So, that's true. That might be true, or that's ridiculous. Trey Galloway is the most indispensable player
1: on Indiana's roster. Uh, coach, uh, who went first I, I last think time? that's yeah. We'll go with coach. Yeah, I think that's true uh, from a, a roster. Uh, situation from his production you could probably find that somewhere else but uh, Indiana's just really light on the guards right now you know we're getting a lot out of Gabe Cups. that's not statistics and we need that we need scoring and we need some things from Gabe Cups. he's just not ready to do it but he's fighting like heck in his 30 minutes a game and we're waiting for CJ Gunn to be productive um, he has not been productive other than the Michigan game so you lose a Galloway and now you're really, uh, really struggling. So from the potential loss, I think he is, yeah, indispensable uh, where you can, you know, if one of our, you know, three, four or five guys go down, you have Walker, you have, you know, uh, I don't think Sparks can play 30 minutes, but you can do some different lineups. If you lost someone along the front line, uh, then, than you can right now. You know, having Galloway out, especially with X, if X came back, maybe you could have a little different, you know, when X comes back, that might be a different answer. But it's absolutely true right now. You need him on the floor as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Well, and even if and when X comes back, I mean, now, you know, you have to kind of question how
1: long would that availability
0: be there, unfortunately. So, Andy, your thoughts on this one?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I tend to agree based on the current state of the roster uh, and, the, and the way the question was framed. I, I think you saw a little bit of this in the North Alabama game. Cups gets those couple of fouls early. I think it was I think it was Tony who brought this up uh, on the post game show, and so you ended up having to play Galloway a lot more minutes. But you at least had somebody who could slide over and play that role. Uh, and I think just his ability to fit in different roles on the team, he's had to assume that over the season. I think in some ways. As we've talked about, that's that's led to some of the struggles that he's had. Uh, but at least in terms of a guy who can who can do things on both ends of the floor and um, and and play some different positions for you uh, at the guard spot, where the number of consistent contributors has been uh, limited at best uh, over the course of the season. I think the other guy you can make an argument for is Malik um, in terms of. Go, just going back a little bit to the last question. If I really wants to play through straight post ups, he's the one who's really most comfortable there. Where can make shots there? But that's not really what he wants to do. Uh, and I think Malik being able to play make out of there, uh, you know, being patient in the post, scoring on his own, or being able to kick out to other guys. You know I think if you didn't have him, yeah, you have a bunch of other big guys, but I'm not sure you could play quite the same way because who becomes that back to the basket guy that you really want to dump the ball into, who's comfortable in that situation? But I think you've got enough just bodies there to figure it out, which is what leads me to, to, to say it's true. Yep.
0: OK, number four. So to preface this one, I want to read you guys Indiana's season ending Ken Palm rankings uh, going back a few years, because as we know, Indiana currently sits at number 83 in Ken Palm, which is pretty far down. We haven't been down this far in a while. So here are Indiana's season ending Ken Palm rankings last year, number 30. 2022, Indiana was 48th. In 21, it was 50. In 2020, Indiana finished 34th. And then going back, in 2019, it was 52nd. 2018, it was 71st. 2017, it was 44th. 2016, 11th. 2015, 48th. 2014, 63rd. So even that awful season, Indiana was only 63rd in Ken Palm. And then, of course, 2013, Indiana was number three. 2012, Indiana was number nine. 2011. So the year before the watch shot, Indiana was 82nd in Ken Kenpom. Finished up the year 82nd, and what's interesting is that team was nine and three with their best win over number 111 Wright State. And Indiana right now sitting at nine and three. That team proceeded to go three and 15 in Big Ten play and finished 12 and 20 overall. So they did not turn their nine and three start into anything good, despite having you know Christian Watford and Jordan Halls, Victor Oladipo as a freshman. And so my question, uh, and Andy, we will start with you. This Indiana team right now is the worst Indiana team since Tom Crean's third season at IU.
2: I, I mean, I know what the statistics are saying, but I I still would categorize that as as ridiculous. Um, Ooh. I I cannot I I cannot think that there isn't an Archie Miller coach team or three that are not worse. While statistically it may not have been that way aesthetically and just how I feel when i want I mean, this team is frustrating at times, um, but I, they don't stir the same emotions in me as some of those Archie Miller teams did by the time it was all said and done. So uh, I have to think, like I said, one or more of those, while maybe not statistically it is, is the worst team since that, uh, since that time.
0: Okay. So we got our first, that's ridiculous. Okay. Coach, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I also am going to say that it's ridiculous. Uh, I think this team's going to end up winning more games. I would be shocked if they go three and 15 the rest of the way. Uh, I think the number will come down. Uh, I think it'll be, it won't be. It will be as high as we want it to be. I don't think it'll meet what a lot of people wanted uh, the expectations to be. I, I'm afraid it will be a disappointing season. Um because I thought, you know, we're talking five through seven seed, and now it's looking like just please make the tournament. So um, I, I think – but to say it's the worst team right now, the number is is right there with that team, I get it. But I think that's a ridiculous um, stat because I think this team's going to – the water's going to find its level, and Indiana's going to play better. Uh, but maybe the first 11 games have put it in such a position for NCAA purposes uh, – that that it's going to set us up to be a little disappointed, and if we're in the mid 50s or mid 60s that's going to be one of the worst teams but not the worst uh teams so yeah yeah i th- i find that to be ridiculous at the moment yeah
0: i'm with you just cuz i wrote these like this doesn't mean i agree with them they were they were written for uh, for conversation um you know look this team obviously has to get better uh and improve some of the things but at this point i'm with you guys there's certainly I certainly would pick this team to beat some of those uh, other teams that ended up with better Ken Palm rankings. But, you know, we always knew this team was going to take a little while to gel and come together. We're starting to see some seeds of that. And if that happens moving forward, then that Ken Palm ranking uh, will surely rise along with it. Okay, here is our last one. Uh, Very curious to see what you guys think of this one. Okay, remember, it's true, might be true, or that's ridiculous. It is time to start giving some of C.J. Gunn's minutes to Anthony Leal. Now, Andy, just a couple numbers to add to this. C.J. Gunn's offensive rating right now down to 72.2, which is a very, very bad number. Um, He is shooting 13.9% from three across his 36 attempts for his career. Uh, His turnover percentage is up this year. His assist rate is down. So not seeing the progression from him that we wanted. Now, his steal rate is very good. He was excellent against Michigan and a huge part of getting that road win. So we've seen some good moments from him, but a lot of struggles otherwise. Anthony Leal, you know, obviously in very, very limited minutes, but has an offensive rating above 100 for his career. Um, 17 of 54 from three-point range. That's only 31.5%, but it's at least somewhat respectable. The argument would be, well... Obviously there's not a lot of upside there, but he's just kind of steadier, not gonna make the big mistakes, also not really capable of the big plays. You know, what does this team need more of? And now that CJ's, you know, into his, you know, kind of the middle of a sophomore season, can we make a more definitive statement on him? So it's time to start giving CJ guns minutes to Anthony Leal. Is that true? Might be true, or that's ridiculous.
2: So so I just want to I want to clarify something, because you have it written in the run sheet as giving CJ Gunn's minutes to him. You said some at one point in the lead into this, so how would you how would you frame it? Because yeah, that go, will let's go probably with some. dictate my answer.
0: Let, let's go with some. I don't think anybody's going to give all the minutes, and there are okay. certain defensive matchups where you wouldn't do that anyway. So let's go with some to make it a reasonable discussion.
2: I, I think that might be true based on some of the matchups. I, I think... Woodson has inserted Leo in, I mean, he's only felt compelled to put him into four games for, for what it's worth. Uh, And I think part of the North Alabama thing was, you know, he only played six minutes in that game. I think a little bit of that came from, you know, cups having some, some foul issues. Um, You know, Auburn, I think he played a lot because the game was out of hand. Uh, I I think there are situations and matchups where that might make some sense. I think the challenge becomes you're giving up a lot defensively for a coach who emphasizes defense. We can say what we want about how good this team's defense has actually been. Um, but CJ gun does have uh, some good on ball defensive skills. And it, you know, I, it, it, it becomes a situation of, does he get better by playing fewer minutes, giving him less opportunity to get into a rhythm. Uh, we've talked before about, is he better suited to try to find minutes with, you know, some different lineups and some of the starters and in, in mixing him in there. So there's a little bit less pressure, a little bit less need for him to take shots. Yeah, I think that's really where he could benefit from more. I, I struggle a little bit with the guy who you're almost punting on him a little bit as a player for your program for years to come. If you do that would be my fear. Um, you know, I'm sure Woodson has a good relationship with him, but I, I do feel like I um, that sends a challenging message to him for the future and trying to figure out, can I give him enough minutes to make him comfortable? I'll, I'll equate this a little bit to something that they've talked about with the, the Eagles this year. They're playing their defensive line guys, tons and tons of snaps. They've got young guys who they, in some cases just refuse to play or play five snaps a game. And it's like, are you really doing anything good for later in the season when you need some of these guys to step up? Because now you've shown them, I don't think that you can play. And, and by doing so at the same time, you've run your starters into the ground and now your pass rush is terrible in the case of the, in the case of the Eagle. So I think you got to look at the whole picture here. I think you can look at situationally and say, yeah, there's, there's times that you would do that. I just don't think on the whole, you can do that a ton because it, I think it really jeopardizes what you, you think you're going to be able to get out of CJ gun in the long term. And maybe that's a decision they're willing to make, but that would be my biggest concern with going tipping it too far in that direction um and you're taking away opportunity you it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point you give him fewer minutes he looks even less comfortable and then you feel vindicated because you gave him fewer minutes well is that really why you know the chicken and egg argument all those kinds of things so that that's the way i would lean but i do think Leal has shown enough to be able to say hey there's situations that it might make sense to go to him um and, and i think that's okay too
0: coach where do you fall with this one
1: uh I- You changed me up a little bit with the sum. um, Oh, sorry. Because there are situations. There are some situations where Leal, I think, can help this ball club. But that can come from guns minutes. That could come from Galloway being in foul trouble. That could come from maybe giving uh, Cups a little bit more of a breather than playing in 31 or 32 minutes. If you feel his game can benefit Indiana, I don't think it's just a CJ for Leo situation. If Leo is earning playing time, then it's going to come from all three. But I, I think uh, CJ has struggled. I, I've been a big fan of his because of potential, but potential is is only, you know, just that. You, you have to realize that potential at some point. But, you know, he was very, very good in the Michigan game. That's more towards where we need CJ to play. And I think Andy's comment about is it – the you know, are you pulling the plug? Uh, Would you be pulling the plug if you gave all the minutes or even, you know, some of the minutes and nothing is, you know, practice is fine. He can play well in practice, but until he plays well in a game and plays well consistently in a game, and it is just tough as a coach, how much do I play him to develop? And and yet I need to win basketball games. Uh, And it's a fine line. Sometimes coaches, we can run that that fine line and go go off the trail a little bit and and a kid loses confidence i I thought uh, cj played okay i forget what game it was he had a pull-up that was somewhat questionable in the lane but i thought it was an aggressive move and that seemed to be the impetus to pull him out and then he didn't play in the second half so you got to be careful with your substitutions you know you substitute for an air you need to do that sometimes i know the bench can be a motivator Uh, this is where the psychology of the coaching and the relationships has to be on point but I think CJ needs to play and if CJ plays like this the rest of the year then we're never going to be as good as we could be I said at the beginning when CJ is ready to play that type of player will help Indiana basketball hopefully it's CJ but sometimes that's junior year Uh, for some people that's that's later he's just the type that Indiana needs and and the hope is that he develops sooner rather than later and right now it's a little later than we all want but it's not shocking for a a young man. That was recruited where he was to be in the middle of his sophomore year playing like this, so I think he needs a little more a little more time uh, to to see, and, and you might have a quicker hook in, in, in games that matter, but if he pops and can be consistently good, so I think you got to keep those minutes uh, where they're at because they're not really all that much. He's sixteen at the most, and sometimes it's five, six, seven. I would keep them the same. Yeah. Look, I have a lot of CJ Gunn stock, uh, and so, and I'm not selling that
0: stock yet. I still, you know, I still think there's a good player in there. But like you said, coach, at some point, you do have to see it, Um, you know. So he's just right now, there's a lot of offensive potential there, but the actual production, you know, it just isn't efficient enough. I mean, you have to be able to get more efficiency from a guy who, when he comes in, is looking to shoot, you know, and is using possessions. So I would phrase this one as more that might be true in terms of I would still give CJ the next four to six weeks, you know, to keep getting this going at some point, if he's unable to, then you may get more from a guy like Leo, just because you know what he's going to give you. And he's not going to be missing a lot of shots and using a lot of possessions inefficiently. Um, but I'm not ready to say that yet. You know, there's still, there's too much upside there with CJ, um, you know, and I think you've seen some adjustments on his shot, you know, the, the way that he's shooting, it's you know just looks a little bit more compact a little quieter um and so i'm still and he's he's hitting them at a little bit of a higher rate these last four or five games it's not much but it's a little bit and so i'm hoping we see some of that growth because this team obviously really needs it um all right i'm just waiting a second here to see if anybody in the chat mob has one for us to do andy or coach do you guys have one uh that Jeff, you want to toss out for this one coach marlow has one coach does where is it ah I put okay, a, IU finishes in the top five of the Big Ten. True, might
1: be true, or that's ridiculous. I think that's might be true. I think the Big Ten is is in is in disarray right now. Other than Purdue, like you can just probably mark Purdue in at number one. You got you had four other schools that I thought could fit in there, but then with the the unfortunate things that we've talked about with personnel, just don't know what direction. You know, more worried, not worried, but Illinois could go off the rails uh, a lot more than Michigan State uh, because fears was coming off the bench. But you just don't know. Uh, and Indiana has an act for winning games, even when they're not running the, the, the analytics. Well, uh, I, I would not be shocked if they're a top five team. I would not be shocked if they finished uh, closer to middle of the pack. So I find that might be true. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. I mean, it definitely might be
0: true. I'm going with true. Um, just, and that's in part because I don't believe as much in the big 10. Uh, and I just, I think a lot of the reasons that you said coach are, are true that, you know, this team has been able to win some close games. Um, and I just think it's, everything's going to be so muddled. Um, I still think Indiana's talent ends up winning out and they finish in the top five. Andy, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I. I definitely wouldn't call it ridiculous, just because I think the league's going to be after you, once you get past Purdue a little bit wide open. I think you could have certainly made an argument that Illinois, if anybody had uh, maybe established themselves as the second best team, the news you talked about earlier changes that um, dramatically, depending upon how long he ends up missing. I think Wisconsin has acquitted itself fairly well, um, but really after that, it's it's kind of anybody's game, and even Wisconsin has not looked good at times. So. Um, I, I would say might be true, um, certainly an argument to be made. I think you make arguments for lots of teams right now based on how everything shakes out.
1: Yep. Here, here's a good question, too, real quick, if oh, you yeah. wanted to answer that. <laughs> Go, bracketologists.
0: The NCAA uh, eighty five Jeff sense than the RPI.
1: True. It, it, I, I, I'm anxious to see what Andy says, but for me, it's true. There are flaws um with the efficiency numbers. You blow out bad teams and you get a boost and there's a couple outliers every year. Iowa State's sitting there right now as an outlier that you can't really trust the resume. But when I go back and compare it to the RPI, what it would be, it is not even close that the net is a thousand times better. And and what I can it's not a standings board, so that's where everyone gets frustrated. How can Iowa State be sixth when they haven't played anybody? And I would like to see the NCAA tweak it a little bit to put some parameters on who you play and, and you know, your offensive efficiency, maybe some caps or something. I, there has to be a, a little bit better net, but the net, to me, produces a better list um, of teams. It takes in uh, all the what the RPI did and then how you play uh, analytically, too. I I just think it's it's true. But I think that's a good question that people – we, we just need to share that knowledge. Uh, Andy, I don't know if you agree or not uh, with that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would. The hard part becomes everybody's looking at it now on a day-to-day basis or whatever else, when the reality is when you want to look at it is at the end of the season. And as the end of the season, do the teams that tend to float toward the top feel like the ones that are the best teams. And I think generally that ends up being true uh what you know so your iowa states of the world as as coach mentioned they have really gaudy numbers now because they've blown out a bunch of bad teams well guess what they're going to start playing in the big 12 pretty soon and we're going to find out real quick if they're any good or not and if they aren't and they start you know underperforming to what the expectation they've set that all kind of balances itself out um any system realistically is going to have ways to to quote unquote game it, you saw teams do that with the RPI. You saw leagues do that with the RPI. You know, I think that the gaming with the net is basically just beating the hell out of people. Um, yeah. and and so what we've seen so far is the teams are incentivized to to do that in some ways. Um, and and yeah, you'd probably like to get away from that. I think to to coach's point, maybe you can make some tweaks to it. But I think when the dust settles at the end, I think you're still finding that worthy teams are ranking highly in the net. And so if you look at it right now, or even in a week from now, you can shoot holes in it for as much as you want, but I just don't, you know, I think when it, when it's all said and done, cream rises to the top and it takes care of itself.
1: Here, Here's the top five in RPI right now, Purdue, Clemson, Memphis, FAU, and San Diego State with Utah State eight, Diego Colorado chicken. State 10 compared to, the net, Houston 1, Arizona 2, BYU outlier 3, but Purdue 4, Tennessee 7, Connecticut 8. Um yeah, I think when you do when I do a comparison at least and I do think Andy you're absolutely right. You, we look at it now cuz that's what we do, but we you got to look at it more in late February. That's a good question and um yeah, well done. That was fun. Yep. That was fun. And thanks to
0: chris vernon and kevin o'connor for the idea listen to the mismatch if you're into the nba and you want a good show that would be my recommendation always enjoy those guys okay coming up on assembly call radio it is mailbag time as always you all came through with some great questions and so we will get through as many of those as we can coming up on the assembly call stick with us
2: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
0: Angie, I think I've told you this. My brother-in-law is a big Eagles fan, so I'm like fully aware now after Christmas. We spent three or four days down there (laughs) around Christmas. I am now well aware of all of the Eagles' shortcomings as we discussed them several times over uh,
2: over uh break. <laughs> not a lot that looks good right now but yeah what are they, yeah it's 11, funny four? there's a there's a podcast i listen to of them and the, the two hosts have been like on this basically week-long debate about uh whether last year means anything and you know all, all these different things so it's it, I, actually like they do a really good job and, and they usually disagree enough to, to make it interesting but yeah it's just you know, some of the things they've they've done over the course of the season I think are kind of coming home to roost. Even some of the roster decisions and things like that, where they're just having to pull linebackers off the street and do different things like that. And what they've chosen to invest in and not invest in, the ways that they've um you know, doled out snaps where, you know, these guys are, you know, playing so many snaps and it's like your pass rush is terrible at this point, even against bad teams like the Giants and you know, so Everything Sometimes that you do right. has ramifications later in the season and you got to figure out what you're willing to live with, whether that be from a, and you see the same thing with IU, right? Like roster construction in terms of what they've prioritized. It's no different than looking at an NFL team where it's, <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm going to go not spend money on these two positions. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> all right. Sorry, Sorry. Mike.
0: <laughs> To get away from the <laughs> Eagles. Side. You know, it is, it's funny though. Like the Eagles made the Super Bowl last year. They're 11 and 4 right now. Yeah, I mean, like I'm the not. The sky's falling. No one's it, having yeah. fun. Everybody's miserable.
2: They do so, look miserable though. That, they is, do. Uh, that, is un, that is undeniable. No, they do. Um,
0: they definitely yeah. do. It's just funny. I feel like sometimes we almost like know too much about sports now (laughs) you know it's like because you know you can see even though the team's winning it's like you can see the bad stuff coming around the corner and so you just can't enjoy it even right now but yeah you know they'll win their next two games andy so we'll see well i
2: certainly hope hope so they put me in the position where i need to root for the cowboys over the weekend to win a game it's just it's disgusting all around uh
1: and by the way there was a couple other other questions we we couldn't get to, so thanks for sending those in. Google is for winners, absolutely, Coach Signetti. He's gonna, you know, googly. Google it. It. That's gonna be a saying. Uh, and can we win at Rutgers? I, I think that might be true. I think this might be a year always tough to play over there at the um, better beat this or season. The uh, uh, Subway, whatever it's called, um, Jersey Mikes, Jersey Mikes. But no, those yeah. are good questions, uh, and we we appreciate you sending those in. I did pull Signetti's Google me, Google me, so we have that if we uh, if we need it.
0: <laughs> Classic. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, better beat Rutgers this season because uh, Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey look pretty pretty good. Be interesting to see what Pikel can do with elite talent. It's always interesting those coaches that are kind of the underdog coaches and they play the grinded out style and the tough physical defense but then you win enough so you can recruit it at another level. Now, what do you do with the more talented guys? You know, and not that, you know, Dylan Harper can't, you know, be a grinder and play tough defense. I'm sure he can, but it'd just be kind of interesting to see if that, if their style still works and if Pike was able to adjust to better talent.
1: Hopefully not. That would be my answer. T- tough, like tough yeah. to problem to have figuring out how to coach, how to coach talent. I like, but Peichel. it's a whole different so skill, can. right? You're, you're, yeah, your game plan has to be maybe a little different. Allow some shots that you wouldn't allow. Uh, you you have to you have to be able to do that, and then how do you rein them in if you need to? But it's more of the psychology thing. You can get a bunch of grinders together, and woe is me, and you put the no one respects us and all that. Now you got the studs out there. You got to motivate them. It gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah.
0: By the way, that comment uh, from Mike, who was talking about, he said, I tune into AC to get away from Philadelphia Eagles talk here locally. That is Mike Weemuth, one of the hosts of the new show X's and Joe's on the back home network. Their first episode is already up. Their second episode is coming because they just recorded it. So I got to get that edited and up. But uh, the first episode was Fantastic. exactly What you would expect from a conversation between Mike uh, and some of you may remember Bob Moats because he's been on the show a few times. Um, It was awesome. And I just have such high hopes for the show. It is smart college basketball talk for serious fans. Uh, This is not for the casuals. This is getting in the weeds about what really matters when it comes to winning and losing. And their perspective is just really, really unique and interesting. Um, and it really does feel like you're kind of eavesdropping on a 30 year conversation, which is what you're doing. Uh, but it's uh, it's fun, so highly recommend it. Um, check it out. It should be available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, okay, let's uh, get to segment three here. Here we go. Um. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. All right. Thank you, Nick. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And it is time now for our mailbag. Uh, all of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community on Substack. You can learn more about that at our website, assemblycall.com. Just go right there make sure that you subscribe there is an entire uh, paid um, uh, premium section that you can pay to join and when you do that then you can get access to you know submitting the mailbag questions coach's coach's corner tony's i u film room posts all of that is there but you can also just get a free subscription uh, and participate in conversations and you know get our weekly six banner sunday news uh, roundup and other stuff that we do there uh, most importantly, just go to assemblycall.com, get on the email list, uh, and that way we can communicate with you regularly when there are new things to say outside of just the regular rhythm of the show. So that's assemblycall.com. All right, uh, let's hit a couple of these questions. Andy, I know that you have to leave soon, so we'll hit a couple of bracketology-related questions here right off the top. Uh, Rick says, I realize it depends on who you beat, but what do you see as a minimum number of Big Ten wins that IU needs to make the tournament? Where are you putting that number right now, Andy?
2: Well, I'm going to probably use this as a way just to talk through a little bit of of some of this and not I can throw it to Coach here. We've emailed about this a a little bit. So if if you look at where the remaining games as the net sits right now, um, which again, as I just said, things will move around a little bit. So take that with a grain of salt. So I has got two in their back pocket. The two quad three Big Ten games that are out there are Penn State at home and Minnesota at home. You can't afford to lose either of those. So that puts you at four. You then have eight quad two games. Uh, The kind of low end of those is at Penn State, which is very much on the border of that. I would argue Minnesota's net is a little inflated at this point. Probably don't want to lose to either of those teams that are really widely thought of as not tournament teams. So that gets you to six. So your remaining games in that, you know, quad two bucket are home games against Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa and Northwestern and road games at Rutgers and Maryland. Um, you know, you need to win some games on the road and show that you can do that to be able to to win it. So I don't know that they need to go eight and zero in that quad two bucket, but I'm not so sure. You don't need to go. I think six and two is probably a minimum. I I would say. I don't know, coach, if you have other thoughts around that particular bucket, but I'm at least that's how I'm thinking of it to try to get through here. So I'm going to say six in case you, unless you have a vastly different opinion. All right. So let's say you get sick. Go, go ahead. Keep going. Okay. So let's say you get six there. You've got two in the quad three bucket and the two that you already have. So that puts you at 10. So now you've got eight. You also have eight games left that sit in quad one today. So you're home and home against Purdue. You're home and home against Wisconsin. You're home and home against Ohio State. And then the other two games are at Illinois and at Nebraska. Um, you, You know, I think... If you can't really lose all four road game or, or all five of those road games, because that pretty much shows you can't beat anybody good on the road, would be my my general sense of that. So you you really can't do that. Probably need to win, you know, two of the three home games uh, in, in that in that bucket. So let's say, you know, I, I'm not I'm I'm inclined to say you need to go four and four in those games. Uh, it's kind of where I would shake it out. I don't know, coach. You have other thoughts in that regard.
1: Uh, I was saying twelve with winning the right games, and you've laid out the recipe for winning the the right games and getting to twelve and eight in the Big Ten as an absolute you know minimum. Uh, you know, I think Indiana got in, and it all depends too on who else you're comparing to at what seed line or on the bubble, right? But when Indiana was a twelve seed play in, I think they had four. Uh, quad one wins and four quad two. I don't have that information called up, but it was somewhere around that last year. They got a four seed. They had six quad one wins and six quad two wins. And they're just sitting with one, uh, one, the Michigan at Michigan game as a quad one. So you have to take advantage of your opportunities and build that up. And then you have to have a comparable or better resume than those teams that are sitting around that 10, 11, 12 seed line. So saying that there's a magical number of wins in the conference Might not get it done. Saying there's a magical number of quad one wins uh, doesn't even get it done. If you have three quad one wins and the teams that you're being compared to have five or six, then you're going to be lower on the selection. So there's so much time to see how this plays out. Then you have, Andy, all the teams that are in the mid-60s and 70s that with the three-game losing streak can fall out of a a bucket, uh, as as you mentioned it. And then Illinois with its turmoil can fall from a quad 1 who knows uh, what happens when you you lose your 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 best player overall so yeah as it t- sits today i say indiana has to go 12 uh, and 8 in the big 10 to have a shot at the tournament and that's winning some of those games in those buckets as you've mentioned and winning some road games in order to make uh, make the tournament but you're looking at a you know 10 11 12 play in game scenario at 12 uh, to get higher than that, you really got to do some damage against the top level of the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, I think the way that I define that, that would put him at 14. Because um, yep. the other thing that we didn't mention, uh, we mentioned it on the show, we didn't mention here, IU has nothing in the non-conference to hang its hat on at this point, other than not right. losing bad games. Now, all three of the losses are in like the high end of Quad 1, which is not a bad loss, but you just don't have anything. So I feel like the pressure is on to do even more in the conference in that scenario, so I might lean toward thirteen or fourteen, which would be more than coaches. So that maybe more than what people want to know. The other the other thing I was going to say he touched on though, you do have a number of teams who are kind of around the fringe of some of these, uh of these areas. Even if you look, you know, at Northwestern as an example, they're 71st. Well the cutoff for quad two home games is seventy five. You know, are they able to stay in there and based on how the Big Ten has has done, if everybody just kind of beats up on each other, everybody probably drops a little bit. So you just got to try to figure that out. So that's my very long answer to the question, but I think it's, it's helpful for people to kind of understand like where the games get bucketed, and just winning all the games you're supposed to win isn't enough at that point. you got to be able to do something. This team has to prove that it can beat teams that are thought of highly, ranked highly, whatever you want to say, because they missed out on those chances to do it in the games they had against those teams in the non-conference.
1: Just to follow up quickly, road wins. The win at Michigan, if Indiana's going to get in, the, the, the win at Michigan, we've seen some bubble teams where it's come down to they have no wins. Rutgers a few years ago had no wins on the road but maybe had a resume that they could get in. So there's a plus. Also, Indiana's only played four quad four net games. Uh, I, I think Kennesaw State might fit into that. Um, I, I don't know where their, their net is. It's like 200 or something, 190, so that's going to be a, a quad four. But Yeah, compared that's a, to some that's of the a quad teams. Four. That we had that I'm looking at on the bubble, seven, eight, two. So strength of schedule is something that he, you know, you might not. The analytics have to be there. And then the other thing is, uh, I think what's the highest net to get in? Seventy-seven at some point. I think it was and, Rutgers. Uh, they had some Rutgers at some yeah, point. Huge were wins.
2: There. They had some really ugly. Right. They had a couple really ugly losses that drove it down, but they had some big ones. I think that was a team that won at Purdue. Um, it yeah. had some of those kinds of things, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: So you, you, your your net analytics has to be better, too, to get into the range of discussion for inclusion.
0: Andy, before you leave, let me ask you guys one more bracketology question as it relates to injuries or player absences. So Indiana plays Nebraska January 3rd. Their new big guy, is it Rink Mast? Is that how you pronounce his name? He's injured and may not play. Uh, you know, obviously, we talked about Terrence Shannon being suspended. Who knows if he'll be there for the Indiana game? You know, say Indiana wins at Nebraska, say Indiana wins at Illinois. Would those wins be discounted if Mast isn't playing or if Indiana wins at Illinois and Shannon isn't playing? Like, would they look at that and be like, yeah, they won at Illinois, but how do, how does that get taken into account?
2: I, I, I don't I tend to think that they where they do take things into account, it's more of who you were missing than it was teams that you beat. That, that we're missing somebody it, that becomes a slippery slope. And I know this has come up at different times with um, with teams. Cause you're putting yourself in a position where you're assuming what would have happened if somebody was there. I, I had the example that I always bring up. It's getting pretty dated at this point is it was a Notre Dame team when Bonzi Colson was hurt a bunch. I think Matt Farrell even missed a bunch of games on that team. And they were like the first team out. And I was stunned because that team at full strength had lost at least a couple bad games. So how then can you assume, this is my thought process, maybe not the committee's, but how then if you've if the team has shown you that they have the ability to lose to quote-unquote inferior teams at full strength, how can you give them a whole bunch of credit when those guys come back? you know, if those guys come back later and then you discount the losses they took during the middle of the season because, oh, well, they might not have lost those games. Well, you don't know that. They've shown that they would lose some of those games. And so I think where it gets hung up, and I I think that team, I might be wrong, like they came back for the ACC tournament or Colson came back for the ACC tournament and they played pretty well. And then it kind of turns into that, oh, well, this is maybe what they are with these guys. I just think, I don't tend to think it ends up mattering all that much. The committee will say that they take it into account. I just think how you take that into account is really, really tricky and you probably could go through and find examples where they've made good on what they've said they were going to do and not made good on what they've said they were going to do at times because it's just really hard to apply any uniform logic to um, what they're doing. Um, Not unlike anything with the NCAA to be fair. So,
1: (laughs) Yeah, the data is a majority of what the selection committee is and then they have what 12 committee members now and each one's assigned to certain conferences. So you have some experts on conferences where it does come into play is when there's any question about Indiana and and they're debating Indiana between a couple teams in that room. And they need to have something that's, you know, they're close. Indiana leads in these data points and someone else leads in these data points. So they go to the committee people who watched Indiana and they're like, you know, they did get a couple road wins, but Illinois, that was after Shannon, that was that may sway six people on the committee to to choose the team that Indiana's up against. That's the only way. and there's so many one game injuries, two game injuries that you would almost have to discount any. Uh, does Kansas get knocked down because X wasn't playing? They came into Indiana, a big ten power uh, six school, and won a game on the road they beat indiana who showed up and so i don't think it matters uh as much as all the media and all the attention now we look for every little piece i but i do think it matters some when that committee is discussing teams that andy and i can't look at the the sagarin ranking and all of this and try to make sense there is a little bit of it's not the eye test but it is a little bit of discussion about how they got to where they got i think that happens with the buckets if if you beat Nebraska and they're seventy-one and then they go to seventy-seven and so it moves from a quad one to a quad two, I do think the committee just doesn't say, well, that it's a quad two. And they're gonna look at those a little bit more than just the raw data. And that's what we miss sometimes as bracketologists, because we're not we're not in that room. So maybe fair
0: to say that something like that, um, it might be used more as like a tiebreaker between teams that are like really close and all the other stuff, you know, and then you might look at it and it's like, well, okay, now here's we're trying to split hairs. Well, when they beat Illinois, you know, they didn't have Shannon and they, you know, you know, they played bad early in the season. So that's when then some of that stuff might start to come up.
1: In a very minute yeah. way though. I, I, I don't think it's as major as, you know, in, in okay. just small instances where it's real, real, real close. Does that kind of discussion?
2: Yeah. I mean, what they'll preach and beat you over the head with over and over and over again is your full body of work, which all that stuff kind of takes into account. I think you've got lots of teams who have people out. And quite honestly, if if Shannon's out for an extended period of time, Illinois is going to plummet in the rankings more than likely anyway, because they're not going to play as well.
0: True.
2: So that may discount itself in a, you know, non, you know, one game. scenario. You know, it's not like that's presumably is not going to be the only game he's missing. So it's. it it gets a little tricky like that. And I think it really has to be like the top, top most impactful players uh, for that really to matter. I think if it's just a rotation guy who missed a couple games, like there's just not, not enough there to say that person would have made a difference. And you can't speak to that definitively. Anyway, it's college basketball, crazy stuff happens anyway. You wouldn't, you know, be able to pencil in a win over here. And by the same token, I think teams have tried that when they, they lost a, a bad game or took a bad loss. It's like, well, we didn't have this guy. It's like, well, you know, that's still pretty bad. Does it really matter that much? So I, I know it, it always generates a lot of discussion, but I don't think means a whole lot in the end in in too many cases that I can think back to.
0: Okay. Uh, Andy, let's get one more question here with you while you're here. Uh, Jeffrey asks, when do we anticipate X returning? If at all, this season certainly expect him to return this season. Sounds like he's getting closer. I don't think he's going to play tomorrow. I mean, there's maybe an outside shot of it, but I would say it's probably better to expect him to be back after the 1st of January, um, but we'll wait and see. You know, uh, you know, look about 90 minutes before game time tomorrow, and you'll probably have your answer. Uh, but let's go with James's question, Andy. If X doesn't come back anytime soon, wouldn't it be better to run Galloway at the point and CJ at the two and then run Gabe in as the third man in a three-man rotation in the front court? I think uh, – as a third man in a three-man rotation. Okay, well, you're not going to run Gabe. As I think
2: he means in the, in the front court. I think yes. he means in the back. I think he probably means in the back, in the
0: back court. court. Yes. Um, I think we would probably be better offensively and defensively. Nothing against Gabe, but he's a freshman, and we need more from the point on both sides of the court than what he's ready to do at this point in his career. Thoughts there?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thought, given some of what we talked about with C.J. Gunn, and could he be more effective playing with some of those other um, those other lineups? I think what Gabe allows you to do, though, is to give give Trey a little bit of a break. Although if you think about the Kansas game, he was still initiating offense quite a bit. He he scored a ton of points and uh, was still a focal point there if you if you're talking about Trey. But I do think having Gabe there is is a guy who you don't have to worry about trying to find shots. He's definitely not going to go out there and hunt shots almost to a fault. Uh, as you go through that but I do think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of Trey to have to initiate the offense and and run things Uh, and I think Gabe can do some of that already uh, and work his way through there I I do think the the gun part of it would be interesting just to see what he could do Uh, and I think I would like to see him get more minutes in that scenario and give Gabe a little bit more rest Um, because as we talked about before depending upon who you're playing with Right now, he's not an offensive threat. If you get him out there with too many other guys who are also not offensive threats, uh, it really puts you in a bind is, in terms of what you're trying to do offensively. So, I could see playing more of it. I don't necessarily know that it it needs to be from a starting perspective. Um, I think what Gabe and CJ both give you is guys who are are uh, you know pretty pretty good on ball defenders and um, have acquitted themselves relatively well in, in some of those situations. So. Um, you know, wouldn't mind seeing CJ get more minutes there, but I don't know that it necessarily has to be in a starting capacity.
0: All right. Well, Andy, let's let you go. I know you got to, uh, you guys are have some family stuff happening. So thanks for being here.
2: All right. Appreciate it. Good talking to you guys. I'll, uh, I look forward to listening to the rest of this tomorrow. See you, Andy, man. All right. right,
0: Your thoughts on that coach.
1: Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the question. I, I just don't think that's, um, as much as I am still, sold that CJ will play well for Indiana at some point in his career. I I don't think he's demonstrated the consistency yet in the minutes that he's gotten to move into the starting lineup. Uh, I I just don't think that's even, even close. And then the other thing with, with, with Gabe and we would love, I would love for him to score more. I I think we're used to our point guards being scorers. I think Woodson likes his point guards to be scorers, but Gabe cups, isn't ready to be a scorer. And yet, everyone looks at the box score. We all do as fans. Who's scoring the points, and who yep. who who are the the visual stats that you can get? And, and I think he needs more assists. All of that. He needs to play better, obviously. But I think he gets enough deflections, enough steals. He fights like heck when, at times when he gets driven. I, I think he's done enough defensively and initiating offense, as Andy said. That there's no way you take him out of the starting lineup until X comes back. When X comes back, yeah, then Gabe Cups comes out. But I, I don't think CJ or Leo, or uh, the guards have shown any reason why you would change and take Gabe Cups out of the lineup.
0: I agree with you both on that. Rich says, any updates on Derek Queen? Uh, He's at the Maryland game tonight. I saw that reported by Jeff Ehrman, is that the guy's name? The Maryland Insider. He's on an unofficial visit at the Maryland game, either tonight or tomorrow. I know his mom's going to be there. One of his buddies is going to be there. So, you know, he's from there. He's at home. uh, So I don't really... I don't read too much into it. It still seems like Indiana's in a good position, and we're just waiting uh, for his decision. I suppose you'd probably rather him not take another unofficial visit to Maryland. Uh, but, you know, I, I haven't heard anything to, you know, make me feel worse about that recruitment. And speaking of, Liam McNeely will be at the game tomorrow with his family. So I saw him tweet that. So that'll be fun. Um, Curtis wants to know, coach, will we see any offensive sets or strategies from the North Alabama game in future big 10 games? And let's just ask this in conjunction with, there's a couple other questions that allude to this. Basically like, you know, what led to the three point shooting? Were we running different stuff? Were we running new sets to do it, to emphasize it? So maybe just hit all that here in one, one answer.
1: Yeah, I I don't, the answer is, I don't think you're going to see sets for three point shooters. I don't think that's in in Woodson's uh, mind right now to see uh, plays and screens where you're going to throw the ball and the guy's going to come off a screen and shoot a three. I don't think you'll see that. We did not see that necessarily. There is one, they do a staggered double for Mbaco. They bring him out where if they wanted to do that, they could, they've shown that. But as far as Uh, adding sets, Uh, what they did add and what they do do well is they they move people better in the North Alabama game, but they move people better to get isolation plays, drive closeouts, throw the ball in the post, make it easier for the post to make a move and still do what Coach Woodson wants. And and I'm all for that. Uh, I would like to see shooters, but until we have shooters, I'm not sure you run a lot of sets for shooters. But Woodson's scheme can work, and I think it works better when you move the defense and share the basketball. What happened in North Alabama was there were a lot of drives and kicks. There there was fast breaks where they penetrated inside the arc and they kicked out for a three, or they threw up ahead uh, and, and got shots. So uh, I, I just think that they played better within the scheme that Mike Woodson is designing, and that's why he designed it. I mean, that's how it should play out. Uh, the reasons why it hadn't—it took ten or eleven games—is somewhat surprising, and the big question for me is: Will it continue, or was that just a outlier? If it's an outlier, then Indiana's going to struggle offensively uh, the whole time. But what was it? I, I'll say it over and over, and you guys will hit me on mute. Twenty-five assists—that ball was popping. And people were moving. If you go back and watch that game, even against a team of the quality and caliber of North Alabama, when you play basketball that way, and I've even on Twitter tweeted out from Hoop Herald's been a really good follow here the last two weeks, throwing out some good sets and stuff, uh, that when the ball moves, the defense is lost. And you have a better chance of driving, getting in the lane, and doing some of those things than a lot of the stationary stuff. So they've played what Coach Woodson wants better. They're sharing the basketball, but I don't think he's going to design some screen-to-screener or flares, you know, re-screen, stuff like that, that you see some college teams running when they have a uh, a three-point shooter that they want to get three-point shots for. It's just going to be organic out of the flow of transition or post-feeds or ball screens.
0: So explain in layman's terms. Like, we all know, like, the ball moves. We know that you want the ball to move, you want people to move. Why doesn't it? Is it just because guys get too comfortable with the dribble and they're trying to probe instead of move the ball? Like, what is – like, why
1: is it? Is it, is it the spacing. dictating it? No. Um, you want good spacing. And sometimes when you move, you mess up spacing. So when you watch the league, NBA, you see a lot of standing because then you force the defense to have to figure out who are you going to stop because everyone on that team can drive. Everyone on that team can shoot. The top 12, the guys who aren't getting playing time can flat out play in the league. So then the defense has to, you see them hopping in and out of the defensive three second lane. And then you, who do you double? And then they just rotate the ball around and they drive closeouts all the time. That is NBA basketball. Now you're seeing Miami and Denver and, and some modern NBA from the little that I watch where they're moving, passing and cutting and, 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 you know, they'll pass, give and go and the old, some of that kind of stuff is coming back to those teams, and I think that's why they're successful. Golden State has beautiful player movement and ball movement, uh, especially when they were in their heyday. Those teams are starting to change the NBA, but the traditional NBA is throw the ball in the Luka, have him pound it 97 times until the defense, he either scores one-on-one or someone doubles, and then they throw it out, throw it out, throw it out. Then a guy 6'7 sh- jumps up and shoots it over another 6'7 guy, and and they score 140 points that way because the talent is so good that you can get away with standing. You put two guys in the corner. A lot of teams do this, and it's not bad basketball. It is not, Jared. It's good basketball because you space. Mm-hmm. But in the college games, you don't have that talent to always hit those shots, right? You don't always have that talent to drive those closeouts. So you've got to be a little more creative in college. Look, UConn, Marquette, some of the teams that are at the top right now, Purdue, they're really moving with cutters and handoffs and and screening into a handoff and screening with their bigs into the post, uh, so the creativeness to get your players in position to succeed, as opposed to spacing, but it's not it's not um, it's not bad basketball. It's really good for spacing because you do space the floor. But what do you do with it? If I'm defending IU, I know where they're going to be a lot of times. So when mm-hmm. I prepare in two days. Here's how we're covering the middle ball screen. Here's how we're covering this guy in the right corner. Here's how we're going to cover this guy in, in, in the in the left corner. And we're going to know where they are. We're going to close out hard, close out short. But there's no confusion because we know who's going to do it and where they're going to do it. And then Indiana just needs our players to play better and score over them. I think we can be better than that by moving people, cutting, screening, you know, um, that that kind of stuff. And then get into your side ball screens. Then get into your post-ups. Um, I like the little cross-screen action that they've been running now for the post. Getting your post player where he can move quicker instead of having the bully ball. And then they decide when they decide to trap, now you're trying to turn the ball over and throw it out of a trap. So I think within his system, if he has some actions to move, then that can you know create some really good shots. I would prefer more shots for three-point shooters. But I would at least be okay with more people and ball movement and then drives and post feeds and stuff like that and organic threes, inside out threes, as we saw in North Alabama. But that's got to be consistent. Um and, and I think he's got to encourage people to shoot. He, I I hope he stops saying, you know, we shoot enough threes. No, you don't. You got to shoot 20. Analytics matter. Um it, it's a new wave. Uh you gotta pay attention to the stats and it guides you. It you don't live. And make every decision by the analytics, but it should guide you in getting constant improvement in your schemes and in the way you play. Because the college game is evolving, the pro game is evolving, and if you stay status quo, uh, I, I don't know that that's good either. Long answer, I, I apologize, but
0: no, it's great. I think that a lot of
1: people were thinking that, so
0: that's good stuff, Coach. Thank you. A uh, couple yep. more quick ones from Andrew: Over/under nine and a half three pointers made against Kennesaw State. <laughs> under that's a very optimistic over under uh, that Andrew has set there
1: <laughs> yeah although that, that it's gonna be a under, faster but,
0: game with more
1: possessions
0: so that that would be what, one what's reason. your
1: what's your ideal number yeah what's your ideal number of makes for this Indiana basketball team makes mm. I mean ideal I would yeah, say that somewhere you would think
0: this is a good thing to shoot for between seven and nine
1: because that means you're probably okay. taking between
0: well, twenty one to twenty five.
1: That's what I. That okay. would be my. Is idea. that the? Is that the same for any college team? If you were coaching South Dakota State?
0: No, I think on that rosters that or, had or are you just up, for? If if you have a better roster with more shooting up and down it, then I think you'd want the attempts to tick up. Okay. That to me, I, that's probably that probably sounds like an aggressive number for a team shooting thirty some percent. I think this team is a better shooting team. Than I don't think shown, so, personally. So I think the percentage is going to go up as we take more. I think um,
1: Indiana well. wins a lot of games if they're seven, eight, or nine makes. And they're under the, the over and under that our I'm listeners with shared with us. I think they win a lot of games because your inside game and your drive game is there. And if you share the basketball out of that post-up, out of that drive game, and they have the encouragement and they have the confidence, and that's, you know, I was thinking six to eight, but somewhere along that – you know, and I'm thinking ideal attempts about 15 to 20 for this team. Ideally, I would like over 20 in a college basketball game. But I think if, if you told me IU would get 15 or more uh, going forward and made six or more going forward, we'll be in most games with a chance to win. I don't think you can go two for seven or three for eight and be a, a winning basketball uh, team in the Big Ten.
0: Certain matchups that um, maybe in the big 10. Cause it plots. enough. Right.
1: Yep. Not enough. Yep.
0: All right. Last question from Valerie. How many people got IU gifts for Christmas? So let us know in the chat. I would like to take a moment here real quick and just laud my brother, uh, who just came through with, he's like big into sports cards. I'm not huge into sports cards, but he came through. He got me this trace Jackson Davis card, which is phenomenal. This Victor Oladipo card, and these are like high-quality, incredible cards. Another trace, a couple of Isaiah Thomas's. but Coach, the Crown Jewels.
1: Let
0: me uh, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Do I have a drum roll? Maybe I don't even have – oh, yeah, I do. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Calvert Cheney. Naismith, Player of the Year winner, And it's autographed. This card is from 2007. Which is awesome. And then he also got me this one. Jalen Hood Shafino, With. So that little piece of red. Is a piece of game worn fabric. From one of the games. (laughs) Uh, Apparently he thinks it was from a late season game. So I was thinking maybe the Michigan game. Where he didn't really play well. But he hit that big three late. Uh, So that's what I'm going to say for this one. But some pretty cool stuff. I wasn't. Like I would never tell anybody. Get me cards. But. When I opened these, I was super excited to get them. Uh, so kudos to my bro. Those are the best gifts. Through. They are. They are. Yeah. You know, like you you're, weren't thinking about it. You're not expecting it, them, but yeah. But he knows me well
1: enough to know that would be special. So yeah, that was good stuff. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Love those cards. What but about it, you, Coach? Is it,
1: does it answer Valerie's question if you um, get a lot of stuff from our sponsor who came up from the IU School of Kelly? Or does it have of to course. be Indiana stuff? I, no, Absolutely.
0: You, absolutely.
1: We have it. We we have uh, it. I don't know if I should. Your kids aren't up, aren't they? But we have a tradition here where um, I get some Santa Claus gifts, um, and no one knows about it except me. So <laughs> I don't know where when Santa <laughs> drops them off. But Santa went to Homefield <laughs> and and surprised the family with the number of gifts that were under the tree. Very nice. So that. That's my connection to IU. Yeah, I got a couple coffee mugs. My students are really good at that, too. I get some T-shirts every once in a while. Um, that's always fun get a keychain. I think one time I got a bottle opener from a student, an IU bottle opener. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Shefito! Yeah. I know what they did in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, They probably used it on a Friday night before they gave it to me to test it out. They probably (laughs) did. They probably did. Well, I hope everybody had an awesome holiday.
0: uh, And obviously, I hope everybody has a good New Year's Eve. But we're going to talk to you before then because we've got uh, the show coming up tomorrow. So that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of Rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you to everybody who is here with us live tonight. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you tomorrow after IU Kennesaw State. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Shoot the ball. Thank you. Thanks for coming out.
1: Here I come. Mrs. is Sony.
0: All right. Good stuff. That was fun. And now we turn around and do that it tomorrow. Was. It may just be you and me tomorrow, Coach, on the post game show. Yeah, that's what I've, I've I'll gathered. I'll see if anybody else is available. Ryan, Andy's out. And did Ryan say? I don't know. Maybe Ryan may be there. Yeah, I think he he's out. He out. Maybe he's out. Okay, so we'll figure it out. We will figure it yep. out. Let's go watch Trace. From the looks of the chat, it sounded oh, like he was true. off to a good start.
1: Which is good. I was watching the Bulls game. I got to put that put Damn. that on the old TV. Forget the Bulls. Get Trace on there. They're playing the Pacers, though. Oh, they're playing the Pacers. Okay, but Hold yeah, on, okay. yeah, that's fair. It's over. That's all. Fair. Miami Heat. I talked to talk. See some good basketball here.
0: How many is man? Sometimes you know it's interesting, Coach. You know, I I do like following NBA draft stuff, just, you know, especially when Indiana, you know, has guys, and we've had some draftable guys the last few years, so I've paid more attention to it. You're really starting to see, and Sam Vecini talks about this a lot, you're really starting to see teams and then, you know, a natural byproduct of that then as the draft analysts really just value more guys who can play basketball, for lack of a better term. You know, like Jaime Hawkins, who doesn't have the measurables, he's just a basketball player. You know, and Trace was a guy who kind of had the reputation, Okay, he's got the measurables and then became just an outstanding basketball player who could just do so many things. And so you're seeing a guy like Reed Shepard from Kentucky who was not on anybody's draft board coming into the season. And now people are talking about him as a top 10 pick because like, yeah, yeah, he's a little bit slow. He can't do this. He can't do that. But he knows how to move the ball. He can make open shots. He's smart. He can deflect. You know, he can get deflections to help make up for when he gets beat defensively. And you're really starting to see people value that more. You know, just, hey, who's a guy you're that we seeing can plug teams into a rotation that might not be a star, but they can play? And they can help highlight who – you know, they can help showcase whoever your star is because they just make the right plays and they can make shots.
1: Yeah. Um, that's what Miami – you look at Miami's roster, they got a bunch of those those guys – Yep. that can shoot, move the basketball. Um, Miami does a good job of that. And and then, too, the, you know, the knock on Trace was he's got to develop a shot to get the NBA. Well, no, there's a rim runner role in, in yep. the NBA. Block shots, set ball screens, roll to the rim, and play out of that dunker spot. If you can accept that, then you don't really have to shoot. They really don't want play pick and pop with those guys. There's so many of them in, in the league. I mean, obviously, if he could,
0: that would give him a chance to maybe right. be a star in the NBA. But exactly. to be a solid role player, now you need to be an elite finisher, and that's what he is. He's an elite finisher at the right. rim. You know, you can't be a non-shooter and then not be able to finish lobs and do some of that stuff. So, but he's just, it's I mean, enough he's to just make so you some decent so cash. Things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Y- y- but, you mean, know, you some of these guys play you know, close to 10 years in that role in, in a, you know, backup role or maybe the fourth guy or the fifth guy and just doing a couple of things, right. But they, they win and, and they make coaches happy. Then you stick around, you get a couple of contracts. And if yeah. you're wise with your money um, then that's where life is really, you know, you've earned it uh, by your work and by your attitude. That's, that's where it's really exciting for for me to see TJD do that because I didn't know that he could elevate that to, to that level. And he's really taken that. Oh, he's still got a way to go. It's been five games. So I, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, the teams will adjust to him and all that stuff, but he's in a place that hey, I'm gonna put you in a spot of his
0: skills, which is good. Right. In, you know? in the right
1: system. Yep. You've been spot on the last few games with your predictions. Mm-hmm. Like, You thought Galloway was going to come out at against Kansas, and then you were worried about uh, the game after that. Then you said we're going to handle North Alabama, and so the last three games you have been spot on. Do you have a prediction for tomorrow?
0: I have no feel. Or I had really,
1: yeah, I had really
0: strong feelings about all three of those, um, and they proved true, which is nice. I have no feeling. The coaches might not either, because you know they've been players leave, they come back. I don't know. I mean, I could see this game going a lot of different ways. So I don't even like those. I felt really strongly about them. I would just be making stuff up. I have no feeling. I'm just kind of excited to go into it and see, hopefully everybody's available and there aren't injuries, you know, or anything. Cause that's one of the things that you don't know about, you know, we don't get a whole lot of information. Sometimes you come back that first game after break and it's like, Oh yeah, this guy's out and he's not ready to play yet. So I don't know. I just want to win the game. <laughs> that's that's the main concern. And with this team, it kind of feels like everything. It kind of feels like everything is on the table except a thirty point blowout. And so I hope that's what happens, since we haven't seen it like a true, true blowout. Um, North Alabama was a blowout, but you know they still were kind of there within twenty, and you know. I don't know. I
1: don't have a strong feeling, so I'm not. It would make sure that. help uh, all the ana- analytics to, to get a 25 point win or a 30 point win. But <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> but you're here's right. the only just thing. The game. Here's the only thing
0: I do have kind of a weird little gut feeling about. I think Peyton Sparks is going to have a good game. They're just given that Kennesaw State doesn't defend the two well. Um, there's going to be a lot of possessions. You know, I feel like you know again hopefully guys are still in shape, but could be one of those kind of sluggish games and guys are coming back. It just feels like game where he'll play more minutes and have an opportunity to score. So that's my thing. I think I would pencil Peyton Sparks in for somewhere between eight to 12 points.
1: That would be the one thing I'll, I would I'll I have go, a strong feeling on. Off the top guys picked to click. Um, Anthony Walker too. With He's a pace awesome. and his abil- his ability to drive and space the floor. And then, <laughs> be able to get into that lane against poor defensive twos. Yep. Um I've really been been pleased with him. I just want to make sure he's going one on one, not one on 3. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, and especially when stuff gets scouted and that spin move gets scouted, yeah. uh does he have a counter to his favorite move? That's always something too. We taught our kids, have your move, but be ready when it's taken away. You know, I was helping Brent scout today, watching three of his opponents and there's a kid who's always a thousand-point scorer and he just started his junior year. Wow. But that their whole team loves to spin on on drives. So now what do you do with that? I don't know. If you're really talented defensively, you can run at a driver because he's going to spin back into you and take the ball. But almost every this kid was all every move was a spin move. Hmm. And and if people do their due diligence, especially in college where they do, then you're gonna see some different schemes where they're gonna play for some of that. But he's been really really, really good energy wise. And that's and that's a, a game yeah. tomorrow after the holiday is going to be one of them law games again, too, where you're going to need a juice guy and Gabe and Walker are the couple guys. Galloway does it too, but the unsung part of our roster, those yep. two guys um, need to bring the juice. And I think Peyton Sparks can too, because he just, you know, rumbles in there and knocks people down <laughs> like a bulldozer. It's a good way to describe. That don't it. get people riled up, you know. <laughs> get the hell out of my way! I'm going to score. He's just man. He's that guy. Like if you're out there poof, playing and, poof, you, and you see poof. him
0: checking in, you're like, oh man. You're like, like not that he's necessarily going to produce against you, but it's just going to be
1: hard minutes, you know, with him just that, like, that's when you into get like. You. A, <laughs> that's when you get a little. Oh man, my elbow hurts, Coach. I need <laughs> yeah. a break, Coach. I need a breather. <laughs> <laughs> you pull. You pull on the jersey. Who yeah. sparks is in? I, I, I got it. I don't want to, I don't want to try to block that dude out. <laughs> no, no, you do not. <laughs> All right. Oh, Coach. and the last thing I got a question for you, Galen. Yeah.
0: Yes. W- Galen.
1: What, what, what are we, what, what can we expect? We're not going to see that face like we did at Atlanta. I would think, cause I know he's composed when he's on the, in the broadcast booth, but any, any predictions about what a, what a great Trisha uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays and former uh IU uh, i love the fact that when uh mm-hmm. they threw out that picture of her in college that her tampa bay people are all messing with her about her her outfit in, in college but it's gonna be fun <laughs> uh render does a great job with the women right um yes yeah so
0: yeah what what might we hear from in, any predictions on, on the call this iu team blows on defense <laughs> Probably. That's been his theme, right? <laughs> Talking about how bad the defense is. So we'll see if we get that. Let's see. Maybe we get this. It's a constant, never-ending kick in the testicles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: bad that roster would be management is network.
0: undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm curious. You know, I mean, obviously, Galen is going to take it very seriously and do a great job. Right. I'm just really curious if he drops any Easter eggs that like, you know, the longtime listeners of Crimson Cast or like, you know, from from our little chats. I wonder if there'll be anything in there. Will he drop in a bison reference? I doubt it. I don't think he wants to be controversial, but I'm just I'm very curious. It's going to be great. I'm so excited that he's on there. And Austin (laughs) does a great job on the women's games. And Trisha's awesome. So this is going to be... It's fun. It, you know, I feel like this is what BTN Plus should do to kind of jazz some of this stuff up a little bit, you know? I mean, this, the normal students that they put on there do a wonderful job too, but I'm glad that they're just kind of doing something a little bit different and having some fun with it. So
1: should be a lot of fun.
0: It would be really fun is if both Galen and Scott were on the broadcast.
1: That would be... Oh, that would be... That would be... No one would go. They would all all just... Stay at home, go to the bar, have them turn up the sound. Dude, what am I talking game about? Is, uh... <laughs> His simulcast awesome. thing the other day was great. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. I'm talking over him all the time. No, um, no. I really enjoyed that.
0: It was. No, I think I'm I got trying... too pissed. Dude, I, you know, I got too it's...
1: pissed and shut it off because um, I just was frustrated with that game. But I think that's an interesting idea. It is. I actually, I listened to it after the fact and actually found it knowing
0: what the results of the game was. It was really fun. Like watching Galen's mood, just like steadily drop <laughs> as you realize, wait, we're not playing well here. This team is coming back on us. So yeah. Yeah. We, we do need a Galen and Scott broadcast sometime. That would be, what was, what's this one?
1: Coverdale like a real early James
0: Hart. Oh yeah. <laughs> Keystone light. <laughs> I don't know why I have these. <laughs> why? <laughs>
1: uh, anyway. So we'll be looking. All right, we'll to see you tomorrow. tomorrow. Look around; you can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.